0: Welcome to the Lancaster Golf Performance Podcast. My name is Cam Lancaster, your host and founder of Lancaster Golf Performance. So today we've got some really in-depth tactics a little bit of an inside look as to how we work with our students and how we work on our own games in terms of getting ready for the 2021 season so there's although you know most golf courses are shut down a lot of people might be in lockdown there's definitely a lot that you can do from home for your own golf and health practice and we'll go we'll sort of do a deep dive into those practices to how you can improve to play your best golf for 2021. Hey guys, so just a quick side note, uh, if you're a a Canadian citizen, please go and check out the 905fund.ca or at 905fund on Instagram. It's a small movement that I'm part of with some of my close friends. We're basically just helping, trying to help small business owners get some funding during this time. We feel that the government is not necessarily doing enough to help small business owners stay afloat. So even if you have five bucks to donate, it'd really mean a lot. So go check out the 905fund.ca and if you're a small business owner, please send me a message. So some exciting news, as of February 16th, my business is back open for in-person lessons at the Golfers Academy in Burlington. Uh, So for any Toronto area golfers, I have about three to four spots left open in my academy. Now I mainly work with golfers from the range from about a five handicap to NCAA division one, but I do work with golfers of all levels. I've got a few clients who are 20 plus handicap or beginners. So definitely don't discriminate against your skill level, even though we mainly talk about high performance. So if you're interested in the lesson uh, for initial trackman biomechanic assessment, please throw me a direct message on our Instagram at Lancaster Golf Performance, or if email is your style, just throw me an email, uh, Lancaster Golf Academy at gmail.com. Now, if you've never heard of the Golfers Academy in Burlington, what we basically are is a high-performance training academy for golfers. We've got a few uh, high-level coaches in there, some PGA professionals. Uh, we have a physiotherapist on site, a club fitter on site, and then a putting green and six trackman base jason the owner and founder is always doing a lot of updates in terms of renovating the place and uploading new stuff to trackman there's also some cool new features that trackman has released for virtual golf so please check them out on instagram at the golfers academy enjoy the show hey guys so as we roll into 2021 golf season i think it's really important to uh, start really thinking about the training that you've been doing and uh, if you haven't been doing any training that's totally okay. Uh, but you know you still have a lot of time now to really get yourself tuned up for the golf season. We're sitting at about February 15th, if you're listening, uh, on the first day of this is coming out, and you've got about two months. So a really a good training period uh, to really get yourself into, into your really best shape going into the golf season, and even just beyond that too, looking at your golf practices as a, as a health practice uh, to really give back to yourself. So the way I do this with my students is to really take st- stock of where your skill set is at, currently right so and and the best way to really do this is to have stats on where your game has been in the past and if you don't have stats then you can kind of go based upon your gut feeling as to where you're at i even find that a gut feeling it can sometimes be correlated to what the stats are at just based upon some of the work i've done with my students and the work i've done uh, my own game and my uh, me and my brother's game so if you do have those stats you know obviously just the the very basic ones fairways and regulation greens and regulation sand saves up and downs putts It'd be nice to have some dispersion pattern data if you're on TrackMan at all. And then just some of your distances with your driver and then your irons to really get a baseline as to where you're at. So you have your stats there, but I think it's first to really evaluate, you know, what your actual goal is. What is your intention for doing this? If it's just to get healthier and get on the golf course, then you might want to focus more specifically on health. If If it's very specific goals, then I think it's important to just really strip it down to the basics and think about, what your scoring average has been in the past, your handicap has been in the past and where you want your dream handicap to be. And then from there, program the stats onto a chart uh, for each different category as to what the average uh, stat is for that. So for instance, you know, my my goal with my own game is to get my fairway and regulation up to at least 10 out of 14, which is about tour average. And I'm right around sitting about seven to eight out of 14. So I have some very Uh, real data as to how I'm going to do this. And then when the season actually starts to get going, then I'm going to really start tracking that. So now you have your stats or you have at least a gut feeling. So again, break down your skill set from ranking from one to 10, and then see exactly where your weaknesses are in your game, and then build a plan based upon your weaknesses. I think with the game of golf, uh, and my brother said this best to me is you could spend six months on the best part of your game and maybe improve by one shot or half of a shot or you could spend six months on your game maybe take a step backwards with your scoring in the current day but you can end up gaining four to five shots if you really hammer out the problems with your weaknesses and it's it's pretty much the exact way that butch Harmon coaches and all the great coaches coach is they really want to find the cancer in the students game or the cancer in your own game and then just tackle that so when looking at driving iron plane wedges you can kind of based upon that score out of 10. So you could give distance as uh, three of that 10, accuracy as four of that 10, and then consistency of strike as three of that 10. And again, give yourself that sort of gut feeling ranking as to where you're at. And then you can look at your chipping and short game, your bunker play, and then your putting. So you have six categories there. And then you'd want to talk also probably the seventh category, which is the intangibles, your health and fitness. With the chipping and the short game and the bunker play and the putting, I would say you want to give... Uh, A score of five out of ten to distance control, and then five out of ten to strike. Now putting you can go a little bit deeper than that. So with the putting, you want to look at how often do you feel you three putt uh, per round. You know if it's more than two three putts per round, then that your long putting wants you'll want that to be a focus. Uh, If you're, you want also look at short putting confidence. So if you're ninety five percent from three feet, chances are you're a good short putter. Uh, Your mid range make percentage. So if you're making about 20% of your putts from 15 to 20 feet, then you're a really good putter. So again, oriented all to your weaknesses, right? So let's next go into the, into some of the reasons why you might be poor in a certain area of your game. And obviously this is going to be, this is where you really want to get some tailored advice and get in with a coach and really understand exactly where you're weak, but just some general reasons as to why you might be weak in certain parts of your game. So when we look at driving, there's obviously quite a few reasons. Uh, So, i think the first one to look at is are you wide enough in your stance and the width of your swing so some simple ways that you can check this is to get in front of a mirror in the face on view and take a look at your stance and make sure that your feet are just a little bit wider than your shoulders and feel like you're loading a little bit more into your trail side the width of your swing too so a simple simple drill that you can do to really dial this in is kind of like a ben hogan concentration drill where you really drag the club slow and low into the backswing. So drag it as far as you can on the ground uh, without moving your bot, moving your weight off into your right side, or your trail side if you're a left-hander. So the larger we make our arc with our driver swing, the more space we're gonna have at the bottom. That's just one of those basic drills uh, that I do with my students and a drill that I do for my own game. And I always find right after I do that drill, my, my driving improves significantly. So the main reasons that we see iron play, uh, so moving on to iron play, the, the main reason that I see iron play lacking in a student is that they're creating loft at the bottom. So they're uh, they're really not creating a forward shaft lean. So some simple drills or some simple feelings that you can have to improve that is a T drill. So Mo Norman was a big proponent of this. You basically, and again, you can do this in your backyard. or You could do it in the snow. You don't really need to be hitting. I actually prefer when my students do their swing work is to not do it hitting because often, the feedback of the golf ball can create a negative feedback loop. So practicing it in slow motion, practicing without hitting balls is really the best way to go. So that Mo Norman T drill, you place a T about six to eight inches behind the ball. And as you get it better at it, you, you creep that T closer to the ball. You basically start the club on top of the on top of the T and try and miss the T on the way down. So a lot of my students would know that drill and it's really a, a starter drill for me. When I started going to Scott Couch's Uh, Back when I was 18 years old, that was the first drill that he had me get to doing, and I was a pretty poor ball striker at the time, and it immediately allowed for me to get a solid divot pattern going. So you can really do that in the snow. I'd probably prefer to do it outside. Next thing after that, in terms of creating forward shaft lean, is are you getting a proper turn? So guys I would look at on tour would be Ernie Els. He really gets his shoulder tucked under his chin and his backswing. So that's a feeling that I want you to feel if you feel like you do struggle with turning your backswing is to try and feel centered in your weight. Don't feel like you turn off of the ball, really almost keep your weight onto your lead side and then feel the shoulder really tuck deep and under to that chin. So that will, again, just like the other drill, allow you for more space down to the bottom. So when we're looking at about 120 yards and in, so chipping, pitching, bunker play and wedges, I find the alignment stick drill is the best drill to really get your technique down. It allows you to create a solid lead side into your uh, into your lead arm. So basically, what you would do is you take an alignment stick and and po- and sort of almost you could even tape it onto your shaft and make sure the alignment stick is pointed up over the the grip end of the club and into your left rib cage, your lead rib cage if you're a left hander. And then basically on the way through, you just want to feel that that alignment stick sticking out the butt end of the shaft is not hitting your lead rib cage, So that's gonna allow you to create that forward angle. So when looking at putting, so putting obviously, you know, if you see my post recently, putting is one of the most important parts of the game. I'd say it's the most important because it's about 40 to 50% of our shots. So look at the fundamentals first. Some of the fundamentals that I go over with my students, especially with the short putting is, you know, is the head staying still. So usually I find, If your eyes are staying still over the ball, then your head stays still. So focus on a small spot on the golf ball. And then as the ball leaves, focus on a small spot uh, under the ball. So you could do that simply by uh, grabbing, grabbing a little piece of clear tape, uh, taping it to the ground, and then put a little Sharpie mark of a circle, place the ball on top of there, and also uh, just put a little Sharpie mark onto the top of the ball and just focus on that ball as the putter head leaves. So really you're not focusing on the arc of your stroke. You're simply just focusing on keeping your eyes still. Another thing too is uh, that my coach really drilled into me from a young age was to listen for the ball going in as opposed to looking for the ball, right? So anytime our head moves with the ball, our putter face is going to move all over the place. So again, the less moving parts, the better in any part of the swing or the putting stroke. Uh, A low putter head is very important as well too. So if you look at Xander Shoffley, the way his exit patterns go, Uh, Cam Champ does a really, I think he's underrated in this part of his putting. So again, the lower your putter can stay to the ground, the more consistent of a roll you're going to have. The next part would be a 25-75 release. So Phil Mickelson, he's he's talked about this quite a few times before. So imagine the putter head only going back 25% of its length and then going through 75% of length, especially on those short putts. Now ask yourself this question when you're putting or when you've been putting in the past, do you find yourself trying to steer the ball into the hole? So some some examples of steering would be you have a right to left putt and you've lined it up four inches outside of the ball or four inches outside of the cup. And you find that the line is actually about two inches. So you try and, you know, steer it outwards, right? So that can happen a lot with putters who like to use a line. So it might be best to maybe go away from the line for a little bit and just feel yourself accelerating through the ball without any wrist or hand play. Uh, So dialing in the putting even a little bit more so once you've gotten those fundamentals down, start with your line. So there's so many different ways that you can practice line putting indoors. Uh, grab some masking tape and draw a black ruler, sharpie on onto the masking tape, and then just put down that line. You can grab one of those uh, construction rulers, or if you have you know any putting mat that has a line on it, practice your line very dil- diligently. You know, there's line and speed when it comes to hitting a perfect putt, and line is almost just as important as the speed. Fifty-fifty, I'd say. Going into kind of the technique with putting, I think it's very, and if you read in Dave Powell's putting Bible book, it's very specific. Uh, The the putting stroke is very specific to each putter, right? Everyone is going to have a different stroke, and I don't think there's one perfect way to do it in the swing or the putting stroke. So, but, you know, some consistencies you would see with all great putters is that they really do de-loft their putter and forward press. This allows for less skidding as it goes towards the hole. So definitely work on a little bit of a de-loft with your hands. And then once you feel like you have those three sets down, then go for competency drills. So I like to do on, on my little putting mat at home, I pick a hole. So the, the standard hole on a golf course is about just over four inches wide. And I'll pick a, a cup or something that's about three inches wide and then just do, uh, you know, th- 50 in a row from three feet. And then I'll do a ladder drill going from three feet all the way up to nine feet and then back. And test yourself a little bit and see if you can... Uh, you know, really just focus on making putts and making them in a row and making them consistently. Uh, so taking it further, if you're a higher performance player, some things that you can really do to take your putting to that next level, because chances are, if you're a high performance player, you have the consistency of strike down. You want to do some eye training or aim point training. So aim points, you probably need a coach to to do something like that. Uh, our one coach, Chris, has, he's pretty proficient in aim point, uses it for his own game with our students' games. But If you want to do some simple eye training, what you could do is grab a string that's about 15 feet in length and then post it, no, tape it to a wall at about nose height. Okay. And then you're gonna take the other end of the loose string and then pull it tight about 15 feet away from the wall. And then basically you're gonna go cross-eyed and stare at the point of the string that's right on your nose, and then just trace your eye line down the line over and over and over again. So the goal with this is to make sure that your eyes don't bump as you go towards the end of the wall with that string. So the better you get at it, the more you rep it, the smoother that line will be. Another way you could do this too is to just take a really bright alignment stick against a uh, you know, against a floor and then trace your eye line down. Taking that eye line even further, I find that if you if you're over the ball and you tuck your chin a little bit and then just trace that eye line down, it's a lot easier to uh, really really see the line a lot better i find if you're if you're looking at the bottom of your eye sockets then chances are you're you're going to start to see things in a little bit more of a cut pattern with your putt so really tuck that chin in focus on your eye training so again looking into like the into the seventh part of all the competencies competencies with golf and, and where your goals are at is definitely health you know golf is a sport at the end of the day and if your health is not in line with with what you're trying to do with your golf, then it's going to be really hard to make really good improvements. So uh, based upon the work that I've done with the Czech Institute, uh, there's so many different nuances you could think about with, you know, what, what makes someone who is healthy. And I think the Czech Institute does a great job of just boiling it down to, you know, what are the absolute fundamentals for an athlete or for an everyday person? And it's looking at the six pillars of health. So they'd be sleeping, eating, hydration, movement, thinking, and breathing, right? And now there's no real... Uh, there's no real like this is the most important, this is the least important of those six pillars. But I think it's important to understand where you're at with each of those. Uh, so for I find uh, just working with students, this is usually the way it goes in terms of what they're poorest at and what they're the best at, uh, especially athletes. So number one, in terms of where they're where an athlete or, or golfer would be poorest at would be sleep. And that's just because we live in a, in a society that you know is, is more of a work culture. So we're always getting a lot less sleep than the than what's recommended by holistic health uh, practitioners so i would say if you can get at least seven eight is ideal nine is perfect uh and some you know some simple ways to really get into that deep state of sleep would be to you know have your lights out two hours before bed Uh, really dosing of melatonin if you find you're waking up between one and four a.m in the middle of the more in the middle of the morning Uh, electromagnetic frequencies what's your exposure to them so some simple ways to cut this out is maybe to cut off your Wi-Fi about two hours before bed and then through the night, and then maybe get away from your cell phone, get away from screens. Also, too, even just monitoring that through the day, there's a software you can put onto your laptop and onto your phone called, I don't know if it's actually for your phone, but there's definitely so many apps that you can use. Uh, So Orange Light Filter, so Flux is the uh, software you can use on a MacBook or a PC. I use it for myself, and I've found that my sleep has drastically improved because I'm on my laptop for quite a bit through the day, just working with online clients. Uh, The next thing after that would be, I find that where people are weakest at is eating, especially if you're going through the lockdown. I find myself, I've been struggling with this as of late and putting on some of that COVID pounds. And now that the season is coming around, really trying to trim down a little bit. So just some simple things that you can do uh, for your eating is to eat as organic or eat organic as much as possible. Uh, Obviously there, you know, there are budget restrictions, but I find that organic food has is a lot more nutrient dense. So you can actually find that what, what I do as an organic test is I will buy about 25% less or I'll spend 25% less uh, with, my, with my weekly grocery budget and buy organic and see how long that'll last me through the week. And I typically find that with buying less food, but it's organic, uh, I don't have to eat as much. Next thing would be to try and understand, try and get an understanding as to how many calories you need in a day. There's a lot of simple uh, calorie calculators you can get online, and then pr- program that for at least a couple weeks and see as to where you feel optimal. Uh, you can use my fitness pal, the, uh, the Under Armour app. I find that's a really great way to do it. If, if you're confused on <clears throat> exactly how to get your calories down, I would say consulting with a holistic health practitioner or a nutritionist to really understand. Uh, how many calories you need, and it I I would say maybe do not go off of a general rule because everyone has a has a different uh, requirement as to you know what is optimal for them, right. And a next thing to really understand with eating is to get your metabolic typing down. So there's a simple check questionnaire you can do online, where basically it will you you answer a, a certain set of questions, and it will give you sort of a ratio as to how much protein carbs. And fats you should be eating on a daily basis so then from there you can build a diet plan that's one thing too that i think you want to test yourself with at least a couple times a year because it's always a moving target it's never you're never going to be a protein type or a fat type for the rest of your life for one year you might be a protein type based upon you know what, you, what your body needs i typically find that people who are who have a, a dna or lineage from uh, northern climates are typically more of a, po- a protein type which is a polar type people from, uh, you know, south of the equator would be more of a uh, a type who could survive more on carbohydrates. So then there's obviously the mixed types, which most people are mixed types now because uh, we are more of a melting pot society. So uh, some, I think one of the most important things that you can observe with your eating is what your digestion is like. So are you having uh, 12 inches of fecal matter exposed, uh, expelled through every day? And then also too, uh, are you, are you going to the washroom at a consistent time? And, or you, you know, if you're not that type where you go at a consistent time, are you going after every meal? And if those things are off, then it might be worth considering an elimination diet. So, simply put, an elimination diet is instead of tracking maybe your calories or, uh, yeah, tracking your calories when you're eating, track your symptoms about an hour after after you eat and then link it to that what you ate. And if you find that you're having, symptoms of you know head fog or you're having a headache or you, you know lack of energy uh, then link it to that thing that you ate and try and eliminate it i typically find with most people that we eat you know very uh very consistent things on a daily basis so for myself i was eating a what i thought to be a really good quality organic oatmeal every morning and i started tracking my symptoms and realized you know i have com- i have a crazy amount of head fog feeling lack of energy and by 12 o'clock i need a, an extra coffee when i was never the type to really have to drink uh, two to three coffees and one day I could get by on one so I eliminated that and i found that my energy has come right back and I, I could limit the coffee right The next thing after that in terms of weaknesses with uh, health would be your hydration so uh, hydration just some th- simple things to go over there are you drinking clean water so is it filtered uh, you can do some simple ph tests just look up how to do a ph test in your water it'll only cost you 15 bucks and about 10 minutes of your time and i find it'll really you really get a good understanding as to you know how clean your water is Uh, a simple calculation for how you're gonna how you're gonna calculate your water so you take half your body weight in ounces of water that's how much you should be drinking on a daily basis uh so some things to consider if you're drinking more coffee, if you're drinking alcohol on a daily basis, if you're drinking sugar drinks, you're gonna to want to up your water intake or start to eliminate those three things. If you feel like no matter how much water you drink, you you can't you don't feel hydrated, you don't feel satiated from your water. In terms of uh, where you want to get your water source from, spring water is gonna be the best. Filtered after that, and then reverse osmosis. I would I would avoid avoid any water that's uh, demineralized. It's usually just um, you you want minerals from your water and anytime the water doesn't have those minerals in it you're typically it's just flushing through your system okay so i find if you can get those three things sorted out then you can really start to focus on uh, the the movement part of things so obviously you want to be moving your body every day so if you find you're you're on the scale of one to ten being super tight in your muscles and and very lethargic then i would say focus on light activities every day so going for a long walk uh, doing a deep stretch Those are some of the baseline things you can do and then beyond that doing some light yoga but if you if you want to kind of ramp it up a little bit more look at the three sort of the four pillars of of where you're at with your body in terms of golf so stability would be um you know how well balanced you are through your swing so just you know kind of ask yourself how often do you feel like you lose your balance in your swing some simple things you can do with uh with getting your stability down is to buy a balance board or get on a swiss ball and just really Uh, even, even put a movement in that, in that balance work to really try and throw your brain off. So for me, I'll get on a balance board and then I'll do some little golf swings or I'll do some hand strengtheners. So do a task with trying to balance myself. And I find that coordinates my movements quite a bit more. So flexibility, the best way to get a lot more flexible is a hold and release breath method. I would just type in on YouTube, hold and release, uh, hold and release stretch method, Paul check. Uh, check spelled C-H-E-K. They're definitely a really good way to get a lot more flexible. And then mobility. There's a really good uh, warm-up that Justin Thomas did on YouTube. So just type in Justin Thomas warm-up in terms of a mobility warm-up. Also check out one of my friends pages, uh, CSC Golf Fitness. He's got some really good stuff on there for mobility and just an overall strength in general. He really understands golf fitness on a deep level. When it comes to strengthening, you know, most of us right now don't have access to a gym, so there's a lot of great body work that you can do. I would encourage you to take a look at Dr. Craig Davies' work, his, his, his probably his most important piece of work, which is golf anatomy. Uh, you're going to want strength bands if you're doing any program from him. He really incorporates those a lot. A uh, simple resource you could check out on Instagram, too, would be Colby Wayne. So those are some guys that I take inspiration for when I'm working with my students. The main thing with golf strength is you really want to build lateral strength, right? Now, I find the best ways to build that lateral strength is to actually make golf swings at a disadvantage. Uh, so whether it's making, you know, one-handed swings, one-legged swings, and then and then training with some uh, tools. So you know, the most popular thing right now is the super speed sticks. I personally prefer a speed fan, a swing fan. They're, they're a little bit more retro, but I find they really build a good amount of resistance into your swing. And then if, you know, if you want to go for super low budget, then just grab all three of your wedges and swing them at once and really try and build up that strength. So the last pillar of health as it relates to golf would be, I put them together because they're they to me, I think they're really intertwined, just thinking and breathing. So some of the things that I work on with my own students and in my own golf and I found it's really leveled me up. Now, just for some more context, I when I was towards the end of my competitive career, I really... I heavily developed the yips with my driver uh swear word yips in golf and uh i you know it was to the point where i was hitting it 40 yards left 40 yards right wasn't really anything wrong overly wrong with my technique it was more just uh you know i was i was basically mentally fucking myself so i found some really really good just simply meditating and focus on parasympathetic breathing when i was out on the golf course so Nick Faldo talks a lot about sports breathing so basically that's you know really understanding how to get a deep belly breath so you could focus on that during a meditation Uh, if you if you want to get more of a resources to how to exactly improve that step by step just look up either Paul check deep belly breathing or Elliot Hulse deep belly breathing Uh, or you could go on YouTube check out Wim Hof breathing he's got some great free breath exercises on there in terms of thinking as it relates to meditation I would say The number one resource for me is is just you know some free resources would be to go check out dr joe dispenza he's done some great work on understanding how to let go of your past and create future patterns for more success so again that's a lot i'm throwing at you but i think it's just important to you know take a few of those resources and really try and program them into your own game based upon where your weaknesses are at uh you know build yourself a routine based upon how much time you can really afford yourself in a day I'd say ideally for any level of golfer, uh, if you're not doing it on a full time basis like a high performance athlete, if you can get in one hour of body work a day uh, or sorry, one hour of health work, health body work a day and then one hour of golf work a day, I think that would be perfect. And a really an easy way to do this is to make sure that you have no distractions. So, you know, get into a, if you if you can afford it, get away from the family and get into your own room, uh, your own space, kind of your own sanctuary and then. Uh, throw your phone on airplane mode just so you're not uh, multitasking as you're doing it. So I find any time that you're multitasking as you're, you know, whether it be your phone is right there or someone's talking to you, then there's a really good chance that you're, you're going to skip a step or it's going to that those two hours you designated might take four hours just by, you know, having to get into the task and out of the task. So again, Dustin Johnson talks a lot about it when he practices, he really brings a high level of focus to anything that he's doing beyond that with with building your routine understand where your injuries are and your limitations are in your golf swing i think that's very important to not overdo it i was overdoing it myself a couple months ago and almost uh, almost got tennis elbow in both of my elbows uh, just trying to build my upper body strength more so you know even even the coaches who do this can uh, can easily injure themselves so really understand your limitations an easy way to understand your limitations with your golf swing would be To make a slow motion swing and go very slow as slow as you could possibly go and then feel where the pain is in your body as you make that swing and chances are that's where your muscles are tight so you might want to spend a little bit more time stretching out right there and beyond that too this should really be about enjoyment right enjoying you know what the golf season will bring to you uh, enjoying getting better uh, and enjoying giving back to yourself from a health practice and a golf standpoint right so some of this work might feel like it sucks in the moment but really understanding that the more and more you rep this on a daily basis you can do it four or five times a week then when that golf season rolls around you're really going to enjoy all that progress that you made so guys i'd love to hear what your daily routine is for your off season Uh, if you if you have any specific questions on where you need help in your game i'd really love to answer those for you as well too that's it for the show today thank you so much for listening please like i said before go and check us out at lancaster golf performance for some free learning resources or to get in touch with us for a lesson just message us at lancaster golf performance i'm leaving all of the show notes uh, in the in the comment on the podcast so please go and check that out most of them are pretty easy to find on youtube and if you have any questions specific to your own training please just reach out love to hear from you beyond that best of luck with your training and happy golfing